It says, and it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Elijah, Elisha, and the sons of the prophets each knew that Elijah would soon be carried into heaven by a whirlwind. Presumably, there was a prophecy announcing this that at least some knew about. Since it was known that Elijah would soon depart to heaven in an unusual way, Elisha wanted to stay as close as possible to his mentor. Because Elijah will soon be taken, God had already planned for Elisha to fill his position. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Let's open our Bibles tonight uh, to Second Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. We began 2 Kings last week, and it's really just a continuation of the succession of kings in the northern and the southern kingdoms. And we're going to see in this particular book the both of these groups of both of these kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, the northern, which comprised of ten tribes, and the southern comprised of two. The northern known as Israel, or Ephraim, and the southern tribes known just as usually Judah, but it includes Judah and Benjamin, but known as Judah. We're going to see throughout this book that ultimately, in chapter 17, we're going to see Israel, through their succession of kings, as we continue going forward, In chapter 17, we're going to see the northern ten tribes going into captivity for their idolatry. And they never really recovered from their idolatry. From the very beginning, when Jeroboam began to be their first king, he, remember, set up two uh, centers of worship, one in Bethel and the other one in Dan, and set up these golden calves that they would worship. And Israel never recovered from that idolatry. They continued. And so God was going to cause them to go into captivity specifically for their idolatry. And, uh, and, and, other, and, 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 and so that, that does come to pass in chapter 17. And then later on, in chapter 24, a couple hundred years later, we see that Judah, not learning from her northern sister, if you will, uh, continues in her idolatry, and, and ultimately God brings judgment even upon Judah. And he brings the, the Babylonians 
And first they lay siege to it in 606 BC, and then for 20 years, not only do they lay siege to Jerusalem, but they also had at least three deportments of Jews from uh, from Judah, from Jerusalem, to Babylon. And then finally, in 586, 20 years later, they finally have enough uh, of that, and they just decide to burn it to the ground. And so they destroy Jer- or Jerusalem altogether. We know that that was the end of it. And uh, But there were many who went into captivity uh, for the same reasons for their sin. But in this chapter that we're going to look at tonight, we're going to see the very ending of Elijah, this wonderful prophet. The Bible really has nothing bad to say about him. And I I love the fact that the Word of God is very honest about its characters. Um, And these are real people. These aren't just allegories or stories. But this is something that, you know, Elijah was just one of those sterling characters like Samuel. Samuel was another one of those characters who just had a, a fantastic reputation of godliness. And, and boy, don't we need that today? Do we? Can I get an amen? Yeah, we, we need that. And you know what? The Lord wants to start with you and I. And just ask him, say, Lord, make me that, that, that sterling character. And even if you've made a lot of mistakes, start today and, and continue to walk in holiness with God from here on out. And so we're going to see the end of Elijah's ministry, and we're going to see the beginning of Elisha's ministry. Their names sound very similar, but they're, they're two different men. And Elisha, we're going to see uh, his ministry really beginning in chapter 2 here, going all the way through chapter 9, verse 1, and then we're not going to see anything about him or hear about him pretty much until the 13th chapter where we learn of his death. And the Bible doesn't give us an understanding of how Elisha died, but he was going to serve basically for about 56 years. So a wonderful man of God. But the passage before us that we're going to read tonight is uh, the passing of the mantle. Literally, passing the mantle from Elijah to Elisha. And isn't it true that in ministry, as well as in the world, um, it's natural for a passing of some authority. Whether it's the CEO of a, of a Fortune 500 company, or whether it's a, a pastor uh, from a church Who's, who's getting older and he's, he needs to retire or, or move to Florida and, uh, uh, or whatever it is and have another young person come up in his place. Um, it's true that, that that needs to happen. And it happens in the world. It happens in the church. It's, it's a very natural progression. And sometimes it goes smooth. Sometimes it goes very smooth. And, it goes, and it's planned. And at other times it's a complete crisis. And then there's a vacuum of leadership and authority. And this happens typically when, for instance, in a church, if a pastor falls into adultery or falls into some kind of sin where he is removed from that pastorate, And now there is a a void, and now you've got a board of elders scrambling to find out who it is going to be, who it is that's going to replace him. And so that's what they call a crisis, and that happens. It happens, but when we look biblically, you know, before we get into this, I just want to touch on this. But, you know, biblically there are some great examples of this passing of the mantle. You know, we've looked at Moses and Joshua. Moses uh, being the leader of Israel, bringing them out of Egypt through the wilderness, and then finally gets them right to the edge of the, 
of the of the wilderness in a sense, getting ready to go over into the promised land. And because of uh, Moses' own issues of anger, God doesn't allow him to go into the promised land. But he uses Joshua, Moses' servant, who had been serving him and walking alongside of him, learning all of that time. And God uses him to bring the children of Israel into the promised land. Don't you find it interesting that Moses, being the law, wasn't able to bring them into the fulfillment, but Joshua, who was uh, what Jesus' name was as a baby? Joshua, his name is a contraction. When Mary and Joseph, uh, were, when, they, when Mary gave birth to uh, Jesus, his name wasn't Jesus. His name was Joshua, or Jehovah Shua, which means God's salvation. That's literally what his name means. But Moses and Joshua, that was a a pretty seamless changing of the guard, so to speak. And Elijah and Elisha, a similar thing. It's a very uh, gentle thing. It, It happens. And certainly we look at David and Solomon. That happened, even though there was some bumps and bruises because of David's sin. The transition from David to Solomon went really well. And of course, Jesus and his disciples. He prepared 12 men who literally turned the world right side up because it was upside down to begin with. But Jesus, being faithful to teach these men and prepare them for three and a half years to minister in his name, and that went really well. And even when you look locally, what has happened in the Calvary Chapel movement you know, um, just locally here, you look at Bob Chapel and Micah Chapel. You know, Bob Chapel uh, passed away, and that was a, a, a little bit more difficult of a, of a transition, but it happened. And Scott and Bill Gallatin out at the Finger Lakes. Scott had grown up, obviously, with being the son of Bill Gallatin. And he finally takes his place. And even myself, Pastor Jeff Breed, who was here for a long time, began this fellowship. Started off as a Bible study in his home, in his apartment. And then, unbeknownst to me, for 23 years, my wife and I were leading worship under him. And then he leaves and the Lord taps me on the shoulder. (laughs) It's funny how that all works. But it was a gentle, it was a good transition. But not all transitions go that way. But I was being prepared. I didn't know that I was being prepared. I was very happy and content leading in worship. I love that. I still do. But God had a different plan, a different turn in my my path. And we're going to see that tonight too, that Elijah, a faithful man, faithful prophet, but there came a time when God says, okay, Elijah, your ministry is over. You've done a great job. And we're going to, and we've already looked at Elijah running from Jezebel because he had executed the 450 prophets of Baal there at Mount Carmel, and so he he hears about Jezebel's anger toward him and her desire to kill him, and so he runs in fear uh, to the south of Israel, all the way down to Sinai, and 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 he's he's running, and that was the only thing that was the chink in his armor, really, is running out of fear. He feared Jezebel, and she was a fearful woman, but Elijah needed to realize that God is in control. And I often wonder what would have happened if he would have just stayed put. (laughs) You know, um, God would have worked it out, and he would have uh, allowed him to continue, I'm sure. 
But concerning Elijah and Elisha, God already had a plan and, and was preparing both of these men for the day when they would be parted from one another and Elisha would take up that mantle as Israel's prophet. So, And again, even in the business world, you see this kind of thing happening. And so how much more for the things of God? How much more for the kingdom of God? How much more for anything that we do in, in Christendom? <laughs> there ought to be things done decently and in order except for those times when there's a crisis. But let's read uh, just the first 18 verses of 2 Kings chapter 2, and then we'll look at the last part of this later on. But let's look at chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Notice what it says. It says, And it came to pass, when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, And then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. And you know, I, I wonder the, the, the tone in which he says that. I, I'm probably not doing it justice, but knowing what I think the tenor of the message is, it would probably be something like this. And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. <laughs> then Elijah said to him, Elijah, excuse me, said to him, Elijah, stay here, please. Uh, For the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So, So they came to Jericho. And now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And so he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. And then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on, and fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, and he rolled it up, and he struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Notice that. Underline dry ground. Because it's one thing to open a, a lake or a, or a sea or a, or a river and to cross over. That, that's a pretty big miracle. But the Bible is very clear. They went over on dry ground. How does God do that? I don't know, but he doesn't even allow their sandals to get muddy. And so it was. When they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And so he said, You've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And then it happened as they continued on and walked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. 
And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes, and he tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, and struck the water, and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him, and they bowed to the ground before him. And then they said to him, Look now, there are fifty strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master. Perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him on some mountain or in some valley. And he said, You shall not send anyone. And when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, Okay, send them. Have you ever experienced that? When somebody keeps asking you the question, usually it's a son or a daughter asking a mother, you know, can I go to the movies? Can I go to the movies? No, son. No, no, daughter. No. Can I go to the movies? Can I go to the movies? No, no. And then finally you're just like, and there's like, just like a water on sandstone and it's just driving you crazy. And then finally the parent just goes, you know, okay. It's kind of that deal. But they urged him till he was ashamed, and finally he said, Send them. Therefore they sent fifty men. And they searched for three days, but did not find him. And when they came back to him, for, for he had stayed in Jericho, he said to them, Did I not say to you, do not go? And so we're going to stop right there. We'll finish the rest of that in, uh, shortly, but I want to keep it um, uh, along this vein of this succession between Elijah and Elisha. And this is a, a really interesting part of, of the scripture. And I think it's, it's a very moving thing for me. And probably because it's happened in my life, you know, relatively recently, you know, within the last four years, this whole thing has been something that still is very fresh in my heart and my mind. And so I remember the whole process and everything that happened when, when Pastor Jeff left and I came on as a senior pastor. And it was a bittersweet thing. And no doubt, Elisha looked at Elijah as a father figure. And certainly he was younger than Elijah. But he looked up to this man, this, this awesome man of God. And it's never easy to be parted from someone that you admire, someone that you've grown with, someone that you've learned from. And, and I know that to be true for myself, just being under Pastor Jeff. And again, not to elevate any man, but he was a great man, and I loved him, and he was like a dad to me. And he still is. I can still call him from time to time, and we still talk for, usually it's like an hour at a time when we do talk, because we got so much to catch up on. But note it, let's go back in verse 1 and take a look at it. It says, And it came to pass, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And, and think of how strange this is. I mean, this statement seems so incredulous. Yes, the passing of a man of God might be expected at some point, but to be taken into heaven by a whirlwind is something completely different. It's something that is totally unexpected. There's never occurred anything like this, unless you compare it. It to Enoch's supernatural departure in Genesis chapter 5. 
But the, Bible, but the Bible doesn't say that God took Enoch up in a, in a whirlwind like he did. I mean, it's very graphic here. Do you see what we just read? It's, it's very graphic about what happened. But in Genesis chapter 5, when it talks about God taking Enoch, this is all it says. In, in Genesis 5 verse 24, it says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's it. And that word took him, the word took literally is like the Hebrew equivalent to the Greek word harpazo. Remember when it says, for the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. That word caught up is harpazo. This snatched away violently, taken rapidly. That's exactly what happened to Enoch. It didn't say that he was. It doesn't give us any detail where this account does give us detail with the horses and the chariots of fire and then the whirlwind. It's very pictorial. You can see it in your mind's eye. And there's even speculation about how Moses, what happened to him. His body was never found. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy that Moses, the servant, this is in Deuteronomy chapter 34, beginning in verse 5. It says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him. Notice, God buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. And it even gets more spooky, if you think about it, when we look into Jude. I think Jude is a spooky little book. It's a spooky little letter because it's very, it talks about some really dark things in the end times. But notice what it says in Jude 1 verse 9. Yet Michael the archangel, speaking of Moses, in contending with the, with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But Elijah's departure is unusual. Again, very graphic. And notice what it says there in verse 1, that, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Now this Gilgal, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you're probably familiar, you're thinking of the Gilgal that's immediately, like if you're looking at a map of Israel, and this is the eastern side over on Gilead, and here's the, the Jordan River over on this side. Remember when the children of Israel crossed over into the Promised Land, and what was one of the first cities they went to? Gilgal. And it was right there in the valley, right next to the mountain range. It's still there today. And then Jericho is a little bit further, further, north, or further south of that. But this is not the place. This Gilgal is actually further up, right about uh, seven miles north of Shiloh. Okay, so we're actually starting from a northern section, and you're going to see... Uh, Elijah and Elisha slowly descend down through Gilgal and then to Bethel and then to um, and then to um, Jericho, yes, and then finally over to the Jordan. But the first time we hear, you know, in verse one there, we hear about Elisha. The first time we heard about him was in First Kings chapter nineteen. Do you remember? Or Elijah? I'm sorry. Actually, scratch that. <laughs> but um, going on to verse 2, it says, Notice, Elijah, Elijah, excuse me. I'm, gonna, I'm hopefully not going to mess that up tonight because the, the names are so clearly, I'm going to enunciate pretty clearly. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Notice, stay here. Please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel, which means the house of God, 
Whenever you have a word, and then you have L at the end of it, E-L, that means God. So Beth means house of God. L is God. L is always God. El Elyon. El Shaddai. It means God, you know. Um, and so Bethel is the, the house of, of God. That's the end of our lesson for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Second Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.